are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today. The purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. Without further ado, here's your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. Welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love teaching people about the underlying mechanisms of autoimmunity and chronic disease. Today's episode is going to be a perfect example of that because we're going to talk about the solutions to autoimmune disease. And when you understand these mechanisms of how these factors are driving autoimmune disease, they actually become the solutions. And so I believe that that's what happens when you understand the mechanisms, the solutions become obvious. For more information, visit our website at www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. You can sign up for our email list. You can look at lab testing. You can look at supplements that I use with patients. You can see our YouTube channel with a lot of uh, videos and different things. And lastly, there's a lot of people out there who are looking for podcasts like this, a lot of people suffering from autoimmunity. I always say your mom because your mom probably has autoimmune or your sister or your aunt or your cousin probably has autoimmune disease and, and might know it or might not know it. And they often don't know where to look. So share this podcast with them. Show them how their podcast app works or just make sure that you subscribe or give us a review because that helps people find our podcast and find you know this information. So today's episode is about the five drivers of autoimmune disease. So five things that are driving autoimmune disease. And, and it, it's going to be, you know, one of my goals with this podcast is to stay you know, succinct and to keep it, you know, fairly short. So I'm going to try to keep on track because I could easily talk all day about these five things, but there's, there will be more podcast episodes about each of these five things. So I want to stay with the big picture concept of these are five of the big areas that drive autoimmune disease, uh, uh, starting, but also drive autoimmune flares and drive inflammation. And inflammation is going to be the key word because inflammation is the the damaging mechanism in autoimmune disease, right? So so these five things, you know, I took this from a mentor of mine named Dr. Tom Colleton. Okay, Dr. Tom Colleton, he's a teacher um, for Apex Energetics. He teaches Dr. Karazian's courses and he's a functional medicine practitioner and he's really, really, really smart on mechanisms, uh, really smart on mechanisms. And I took this from him, I think it was genius, just as an illustration. And it's easier to do in person with patients, but you guys can all do it right now. So take one of your hands and just start scratching the other hand, right? And okay, so you're doing that right now, it feels pretty good, and, and it's okay. Now scratch hard, and it's like, okay, that kind of hurts, okay, I can feel that. Now imagine if you just keep scratching, right? And at first it's like, okay, that kind of hurts. But if you keep scratching, that skin gets irritated. If you keep scratching for an hour, for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, 
that tissue is going to get inflamed and it's going to get damaged and it's going to get really sensitive and it's going to bleed and it's going to be tender. And we all know the feeling of, you know, like a rug burn or a scrape or, or just, you know, straight up just cut. But that's going to happen if we keep scratching. So the solution is stop scratching, right? So, so when we show this to patients, you know, I'll hold my two hands up and, and then all, each five fingers, each one of your fingers is one of the scratchers. So that's what we're going to go through today is if the solution is stop scratching, you just need to go through these five fingers and look at each one of them. And sometimes it might be your middle finger that's scratching the hardest. Sometimes it might be your thumb. Sometimes it might be your ring finger and you get the point. So, some fingers are scratching harder than others. Some might have, you know, more uh, metaphorical hangnails or, or something doing more damage. But these are the five things. So I'm going to go through them real quick and then we'll go through each one. Foods. So foods and gut health. Two, toxins. Three, stress. Four, hormones. And five, infections or pathogens. So let's talk about all of those. And again, I have articles about this concept. We've got, you know, I've got a, a plethora of different videos and things on foods, on food sensitivity testing, on leaky gut, on leaky gut testing, on, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's number one, foods and gut health. Foods get a lot of play in the autoimmune world. And, and it makes sense. You know, it was, it was it's discovered that leaky gut has been found to be a massive part of nearly all autoimmune diseases. And, and, you know, we used to think all autoimmune diseases. I've heard it said all autoimmune diseases. And that, that may be still said and may be still true. Now, I see a lot of people who have done, you know, really well with their food and they may still be flared. So that might not be their biggest scratcher. But it's always the first place to start because, you know, we're putting something in our mouth you know, two to three to four times a, a day. And it, every bite you eat is either fighting inflammation or it's flaring inflammation. So leaky gut is a huge part of autoimmunity. And, and you know, if you're not familiar with that term, I'm going to give a, a quick debriefing on, on leaky gut today, but it's really, really common in the autoimmune world to know that leaky gut is kind of a gateway to autoimmune disease. So what that means is that your gut lining, it, one of its main goals is to keep you know, food out, like poop, for example. We all know where that's supposed to wind up. We don't want that in our bodies. That's supposed to get out and into the toilet. So the gut's job is to allow the good things in, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, water, and keep the bad things out, the waste products out. And what happens in, in the in the case of a leaky gut is literally that gut lining becomes permeable. So it becomes a little bit more permeable and it allows things in that shouldn't be allowed to get in like undigested food particles and food proteins. And then when the undigested food proteins get across the gut, they get into the body, they get into the bloodstream. Well, the immune system recognizes those as foreign and it, and it mounts a response to those. So we'll begin to develop what's called antibodies to those foods. And the most common foods, the most common antigenic foods, the most common foods to have food sensitivities to are gluten, dairy, soy, corn, 
and eggs, by far the biggest offenders. And I'm going to explain those a little bit more too and some of the danger behind those. But when the gut is leaky, food proteins get in, other things can get in, inflammatory particles like something called LPS can get in and just lead to a lot of inflammation. So a couple things that food sensitivities can do and that leaky gut can do. One is it just leads to generalized more inflammation, more T-cell activity, more inflammation in general, which is going to affect an autoimmune flare, whether that flare be in your joints or that flare be in your brain or that flare be in your thyroid, just an increased inflammatory status is going to set you up for more of a flare. But the other thing that happens and why gluten and dairy especially are public enemy number one and number two is when your immune system recognizes those foods and develops what's called antibodies to those foods, those antibodies can cross-react with certain tissues, meaning if your body has recognized gluten as an enemy and it has produced gluten antibodies who are out on the prowl looking for gluten, well, they might accidentally find something like thyroid tissue and think that it's gluten and bind to it and mount an attack. Or they might also bind to brain tissue like cerebellar tissue. That's actually not only possible, but very, very common. And in the context of the cerebellar tissue, there would have to be what's called a leaky blood-brain barrier. But very commonly, if you have a leaky gut, you're also going to have a leaky brain. A gut on fire is going to equal a brain on fire. So there's this concept of cross-reactivity. And gluten and dairy cross-react with the most tissues. They can cross-react with you know, various, uh, either one of them, with, with thyroid tissue, with brain tissues, with joint tissues, with, with gut tissues. So some of the most common autoimmunities are associated with cross-reactivities from these foods. Soy is another common antigenic food. Corn, eggs, these are by far the biggest offenders. So a couple of things that you can do for this category is one, you can do food sensitivity testing. So we do food sensitivity testing all the time in my office. Um, I use Cyrex, um, and then I also use uh, Great Plains Labs to do a finger prick food test. And and you know that's really really interesting. And actually, I actually wasn't really planning on this, but luckily my desk is kind of a mess. So he, here's a food sensitivity test that I just went over yesterday with somebody, and she has RA. And, and she's been a patient of mine for a couple of years, and she's been flare-free for like uh, almost two years. But now she's starting to have a flare. So we did a food sensitivity test and a couple of other things. And, and anyway, so all of dairy. And, and if you could see this, it's really interesting because beans and fruits are the next two categories. And all these lines, you know, the bigger the line, the more reactive she is. All these lines are really, really small for all beans and all fruits, except for soybean. But all of her dairy lines are just like maxed out. Some of them are off the charts, completely off the charts. So she needs to avoid dairy if she hasn't already been. So a food sensitivity test, and that is something that we've done. But like most people, when you're not flared, you're not as strict. You know, things slip in. She's got four kids. Um, and yeah, dairy has probably slipped back into her diet. I think she's pretty strict gluten-free. A lot of my patients are pretty strict gluten-free. Uh, but dairy is something that now is like, okay, you need to cut that out. But it, also on this test, it are cashews, peanuts, eggs, 
and a few other things. Not, not a ton of things, but looking through lab testing can show us which foods your body is reactive to, and we can eliminate those foods, and it can make a world, a world of difference. Um, so, so that's an, an option for food sensitivity testing. Another option for testing is looking at leaky gut and looking at, we can measure leaky gut and measure, uh, you know, lots of things about it. Now, now one thing that's out there is like a zonulin test and zonulin tests are not, uh, reliable or valid. Zonulin fluctuates like crazy throughout the day. So that's, that's been a, a leaky gut test in the past, but that's not a, not considered a valid test for that. But Cyrex has a panel called array two. And I, I throw out Cyrex a lot. Cyrex is the world's leader in autoimmune testing. Dr. Vijadani, um, is one of the you know most prominent autoimmune immunologists, um, and yeah, so Cyrex Array too. And again, I'm throwing that out there be- just briefly, but I have videos about Cyrex Array too, and I have a video called "What Kind of Leaky Gut Do You Have?" Because there are different kinds of leaky gut. There's what's called paracellular. There's what's called transcellular. There's also what's called the the lectin pathway, which lectins can transport undigested food proteins across the gut lumen or out of the gut lumen in the absence of a leaky gut. So there's all kinds of different things. You can have food sensitivities without having a leaky gut through different dendritic cell things, through also different mast cell things. So tons to this. And, And then again, those are some of the labs. But let's say you don't do labs. Well, the gold standard is an elimination diet. And there's many versions of this. You know, there's an elimination diet that we use from the Institute for Functional Medicine that's going to be gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free. It also cuts out red meat. It also cuts out, I think, coffee and caffeine. So it kind of depends on the plan that you're using of what's being cut out. And then another one is the autoimmune paleo diet that I use pretty often. And just meaning if somebody's really flared or if somebody comes in and they have rampant autoimmune disease, or if somebody brings in a food sensitivity test and out of 180 foods, they're reactive to like 100 of those, then we're going right to autoimmune paleo diet that also eliminates things like lectins and nightshades um, and just goes, you know, step beyond a typical elimination diet or beyond a typical paleo diet, which is going to be grain-free and dairy-free. So we use that a lot. And and again, I have a video explaining the autoimmune paleo diet. We have another video that's that's a concept that we came up with called the 10 steps of autoimmune disease, of autoimmune eating. And, And what the point of that is, is that, you know, you might go up to step number eight for a month while you're flared like this RA person I'm talking about. And then she might go back down to step number four, and that's where she's going to hang out for the rest of her life. But she's never going down to steps three, two, or one ever again. So she's gluten-free at a bare minimum. And now for now, she's going to go back up to maybe step number eight and cutting out eggs and and some of those other things. But for her, based on her sensitivity testing, she's not going to go nightshade-free. She's not going to go lectin-free, which I think were steps number nine and ten. So anyway, that's scratcher number one, foods. I spent the most time on that one because it's it's just a huge one. And again, we're going to have more episodes talking about foods. And, and we've got other videos that I, that I refer to that we'll link into the show notes as well um, and, and make those resources available. And also the labs. The lab testing is available 
Um, and we've got videos about those, and they're available on the website, and et cetera, et cetera. Number two, scratcher number two is toxins, okay? Uh, and I see a lot of patients who have done something like autoimmune paleo diet for six months or a year, and, and they've rem or they've had food sensitivity testing, and they, they've removed those foods, and they aren't getting well. So I, I, and I also see people that remove their foods, and it's like a miracle. So you know, the foods I think are an important place to start, but what if foods aren't the answer for you? Toxins, 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 toxins disrupt the immune system. And toxins also can bind to proteins and create protein adducts and change those proteins. So then your immune system recognizes that protein as like something that it's never seen before. We've never seen this with mercury attached to it. So we're going to mount a response to it. So a lot of systemic autoimmunities, like with positive ANAs, which is an anti-nuclear antibody, uh, there's toxins at the root of that because toxins damage the DNA. They damage the mitochondria. They, do, they damage you know, methylation and disrupt uh, kind of the epigenetics uh, inside the cell or inside the DNA there. And, and so that's very, very common that toxins are at the root of autoimmunity. And I'm not going to go much, much more into it. Um, but yeah, you got to be aware of toxins and avoiding them is step number one or removing them is step number two. So everybody has what's called a toxin burden, toxic burden. And, and whether, whether toxins are triggering your autoimmunity or not, if you have a high toxic burden, it's going to increase your inflammatory load and it's not going to be good in general. And, and, and the reason I say that is because sometimes we will do what's called Cyrex's uh, um, toxin panel. I think it's 14. Let me look that up. Um, I think 12 is pathogens and 14 is toxins. But um, so sometimes we will do that and, and maybe it, it'll come back negative or there's not toxins driving autoimmunity or autoimmune reactivity, but we'll do like a total heavy metals test uh, and they have a lot of heavy metals or they have a lot of mycotoxins or they have a lot of, you know, toxic burden. So there is a difference. Oh, 14 is mucosal. Um, duh. Um, I, I'm looking that up. I, I don't know why it doesn't really matter, but... Um, so, so that's toxins. So another thing that's 11, I think, is, is toxins. So that's Cyrex. It's on our website. They're, you know, they don't have great names, so I don't always remember the, the panels. And, and quite frankly, that's one that I run the least often um, from Cyrex. I do a lot more of the gut stuff, a lot more of the neuro stuff. But yeah, Cyrex is an uh, array that looks for immune reactivity. Two things like plastics, BPA, heavy metals, um, things that come from like phthalates, things that come from uh, um, yoga mats and kind of some of the, the, the foams and things like that. So driving a lot of toxicity or driving a lot of immune reactivity. Some of the big ones that are just out there, mercury, heavy metals in general, mercury though is a big one. Aluminum is another one. Um, BPA is another just really big one. My mentor, Dr. Karazian is... Uh, published several papers looking at BPA and autoimmunity. 
And then mold and mycotoxins, which mycotoxins is a big deal around here. I see a lot of mold toxicity. I see a lot of mycotoxin-induced autoimmunity. A lot of times it's neurological autoimmunity. Sometimes it's GI. Sometimes it's you know RA, rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera. Um, but yeah, those are some of the big ones. And we do mycotoxin testing. And then another uh, panel that we do fairly often is what's called a a GPL tox from Great Plains. And it's looking at it sometimes, uh, or excuse me, it's looking at like uh, pesticides, herbicides, solvents, non-metal chemicals. I'll test a lot of glyphosate. You know, I'm in Illinois, I'm in the Midwest. So like, you know, we're, we're in farmland. Everybody around me, I'm in a city, you know, we're in a city. There's people here and stuff. So I think that people picture where I live of like, you know, really small town, but it, it's a, it, there's a lot of people, but there's farms all surrounding it. You drive 10 miles any direction and it's farms everywhere you look. And so there's a lot of airborne pollutants. There's a lot of herbicides, pesticides, glyphosate, mycotoxins, grain dust, all those things that we're breathing in. And we see it often. We measure toxins really high in kids. We measure toxins, especially mold toxins, all the time in just, you know, mysterious illnesses. Uh, and then heavy metals, you know, we'll test for heavy metals too. But, you know, we I do a provoked metals test. But, you know, I'm leery with, with, with autoimmunity because you don't want to go and stir up metals. You don't want to provoke metals and, and trigger an autoimmune response. Uh, so, you know, we sometimes tread lightly with those, but we do do a lot of detox. We have an infrared sauna here. We do a lot of detox protocols and, and you know, see great results with removing toxins from people's bodies. Scratcher number three is stress. And, and with stress, you know, there's emotional stress. There's physical stress. That might be like a head trauma, a car accident, a sedentary lifestyle, overtraining. Or there's chemical and toxic stress. So even like we just talked about, toxins trigger a stress response from the pituitary gland and the adrenals, releasing cortisol, releasing adrenaline or epinephrine. And so it's not always just emotional stress, but absolutely emotional stress plays a role. And I think that most people with an autoimmune disease would say, oh yeah, stress plays a role. Stress will cause me to flare. If I'm, you know, if I get too many nights of bad sleep, if I'm going through something with my significant other, if I get, you know, have had the loss of a loved one or, you know, whatever the case may be, stress is involved. And, you know, there's not much more we need to say about that. Sometimes we can measure it through adrenal profiles, but more often than not, it's just something that needs to be addressed. And it's like, you know, addressed is like, okay, well, you, you're never, you don't ever don't have stress. But the metaphor that we use is that your stress is like your right arm and, and your parasympathetic side, your, your anti-stress, let's say, is like your left arm. And so most people have no problem working out their right arm because they're stressed. So their right arm is like all jacked and strong, but they just don't put enough effort into their left arm, which is the, the stress management, which might be deep breathing or meditation or tapping or these different things. Stress in, in, by, in nature is inflammatory and inflammation is by nature stressful. So it is a vicious cycle of inflammation and stress. Stress is going to decrease 
uh, what's called your Th1 immune system. It's going to cause autophagy of Th1 cells, which leads to more infectious burden, which leads to more stress. So there's all these different vicious cycles in several different directions with regards to stress. And it's just something that needs to be addressed and managed and, and, and or it will flare you. Four, scratcher number four, figure number four are hormones. And again, just like how number two is toxins and number three is stress and toxins create stress. Well, number four, hormones, toxins create stress, which creates hormone flares. So the hormones, you know, as we keep going down this list, if we start with number one and number two and number three, a lot of times we can handle number four, or number five. But the hormones, you know, when they fluctuate, they can flare autoimmunity. And there are three hormones that can really flare an autoimmune process. One is cortisol, which is stress. Cortisol, let's throw in there epinephrine or adrenaline. Um, those can flare an autoimmune process when you're under too much stress, too much cortisol, too little cortisol, cortisol receptor resistance, it, it, everything along with those adrenal fatigue, whatever you want to call it. Um, insulin is the second one, okay? So when insulin spikes, when somebody has chronically high insulin, it's going to be massively inflammatory. But also if they just have insulin spikes and crashes, like a, just a dysglycemic lifestyle is going to flare autoimmunity. And then estrogen and, and flares in estrogen. Sometimes those are just uh, up and downs throughout the month. Uh, or there's three times of a woman's life where autoimmunity is more likely to start or flare. And those are puberty, pregnancy, and perimenopause. So, so at times the estrogen is just kind of going haywire. And, and cortisol and estrogen are, are intimately related. When you don't have good cortisol response, you're going to have more estrogen uh, ups and downs. And, and that's going to affect, you know, even how how, quote-unquote, gracefully you go through menopause and all these things. So oftentimes hormones are out of whack, and people think that that's going to be their solution, and it's not, okay? So you can measure, oh, your progesterone is too low, your estrogen, your testosterone is too low, you need pellets. Uh, you can measure these different hormones, and you think like, oh, this is it, this is the answer, and oftentimes it's not. So I'm a huge hater on on you know, hormone therapies oftentimes, sometimes they're necessary, of course, but oftentimes the same factors that disrupt hormones are the things that are going to lead to autoimmune flares, gut health, stress management, toxicity disrupts hormones in a massive way, causes infertility in a massive, massive way, male and female, tons of literature on that, books on that, that I could refer you to. Countdown is one that I'm reading. And, and yeah, all those things jack up hormones. So you've got to look at the diet and the lifestyle stuff uh, more so than like, oh, you need more of this hormone or less of that hormone. The last scratcher, the pinky finger, so to say, but a really, really big one, infections, 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 infections. This one is huge. Um, and sometimes it can be a, like a one-time infection like like COVID. I mean, COVID has known autoimmune cross reactivities. And so you get a one-time infection, or you get, you know, food poisoning, um, you get a, an influenza, you get a, you know, viral infection, and all of a sudden you have autoimmune disease. And of course, that really, really sucks. Um, but yeah, what happens is more often as autoimmune disease progresses, 
over time, your infectious burden increases. So as autoimmune disease progresses or people get you know, chronically more inflamed or they have more dysbiosis or their immune system starting to lose some integrity, they, their, their, their infectious burden increases. And what that means is that if you take the number of cells that we have in our body, 35 trillion, you add a zero, that's how many bacteria we have. You add another zero, that's how many viruses we have. So we have, you know, tr- hundreds of trillions of, of different pathogens in our body. So sometimes we think of an infection as something that just comes and goes, which some of them do. But what's more likely is that over time, this infectious burden increases. And then I have a quote here that I want to read. It's from a paper in Trends in Immunology. It's out of uh, Yehuda Schoenfeld's uh, uh, lab, which is, he's like the godfather of autoimmune disease, an Israeli doctor. Um, and, and the paper's called Infections and Autoimmunity, Friends or Foes. So the quote says, in many cases, it is not a single infection, but rather the burden of infections from childhood that is responsible for the induction of autoimmunity. So over time, many people with autoimmune disease are going to lose TH1 integrity. They're going to lose some of their innate immune system integrity. They're going to have more dysbiosis of the gut. They're going to have more TH2 activation. And over time, their infectious burden is going to increase. And you don't always feel that. In fact, more often than not, you do not feel that. It's not like you got a flu and you have to lay in bed for a weekend and then you're fine by Monday. Over time, these things proliferate, these viruses reactivate, et cetera, et cetera, and the infectious burden can keep going up and up and up. So these are things like Epstein-Barr virus, the monovirus, well-known association with with autoimmunity like MS and others, Um, HHV6, so human herpes virus 6, all the herpes virus. So Epstein-Barr virus is a herpetic virus, cytomegalovirus is herpetic. Uh, HSV, HSV1, HSV2, um, um, parvovirus, influenza, COVID, uh, the bacteria like Yersinia, um, H. pylori, you know, a plethora of different infections are associated with uh, inducing or flaring autoimmune disease. So again, that was a whirlwind of stuff. But let's say you just found this podcast and you have autoimmune disease or you have autoimmune reactivity and you're thinking, gosh, what do I need to do? Well, this is the most important episode because the, the, the solutions, again, are come from the mechanisms. So when you look at this very, very easy to understand concept of scratching your hand and if you just keep scratching, you're going to continue to have problems. So what do you have to do? You have to stop scratching. So you have to go through finger by finger and look at each one of these things. Now, sometimes you can do all these at once. Sometimes one finger is going to really stand out as a highlight. But some of these fingers, you know, to fix leaky gut, it might take months, months, months to, to truly detoxify. That's going to take months at a minimum to reduce your body's pathogen burden. Again, all these things take a lot of time. And so you have to keep your eye on all of these things. You have to keep your finger on the pulse of all five of these things. But again, the five scratchers are number one, foods and gut health. 
Number two, toxins. Number three, stress. Number four, hormones, hormone fluctuations. And number five, infections or pathogens. And if you look at all five of those areas and you get all five of those areas under control, you got a pretty good chance of getting your autoimmune disease under control or keeping yourself flare-free or keeping yourself in remission for a long time. So hope that's helpful. For show notes, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. You can see any of the labs that we talked about. Um, you can sign up for our email list. You can give us a review on iTunes. You can give us a five-star rating. Um, and yeah, th- find all of our other info there. But in the future, we will have more episodes about each of these five drivers and some of the specifics and some of the particulars. But again, for those dealing with autoimmunity, this is really, really important. So I hope you got a lot out of this episode. Let me know what your thoughts are and stay tuned. You'll hear from us next time.